Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast. And we get the back view of him. And I mean, it's just a mega. 52 yards is a long shot. Uh, Magnum PI, is what yeah. we named him. No idea. Just but, a magnum. Yeah, just a magnum. Come on, Cam, last year, we, we said probably 150, mid 150. Yeah. Same doe from the morning come out with that nine pointer. Here steps out this 90-inch eight-point. Like, <laughs> yeah. ah. I'm like, okay, well, there's still a buck back there grunting. Yeah. And then I step like another 90-inch eight-point. Yeah. I'm like, all right. Yeah. Bro. Yeah. Bro. Yeah. You're like, I'm like, deer, right there. Yeah, like And he's 30 already yards. 30 yards. Yeah. He he was literally five yards from the base of the tree. Could have been, had a buck down at 140 in the afternoon, back there deep on public. Three does come out pretty early. It was like 245, 24 yards shot, sent the combat veteran. And I tell you what, man, dude, it just smoked. We always get so jacked up when the other person kills. It's just almost like we got it done. Yeah. And when you kill that doe, I was like, hell yeah, man. And we come down here to Missouri. My ass called me one more time. I'm like, is it a good buck? And he goes, yeah, real good, solid buck. I'm like, all right. Boom! <laughs> and the deer just drops. Sure. Super special meat. Whitetail Legacy Podcast. Bringing you back to the hunt and leaving a legacy. Baller rut. This is the Whitetail Legacy Podcast coming in your ear holes with another Whitetail episode can you believe it <laughs> tell me again <laughs> we're about a dozen deep in bush light corn cans <laughs> and uh we're gonna talk a little um rut success here um there's nothing like setting up on doe bedding area where you know where the doe bedding area is set on the downward side just like textbook and you got that faint buck trail and you get it done you know what i mean just an absolute textbook story here of of success Rut funnel doe bedding area. Let's get into the people that make this possible, and we'll get into the show. You got the veteran broadhead this week, homie. Yeah, guys. Um, a lot of broadhead talks been popping up lately on social, and um, you know, what we're shooting is going to be the four blade, which is a cut on contact mechanical broadhead featuring the momentum management technology that's going to give you the ultimate pass-through performance that's going to really increase your recovery rates because you have the entry and the exit wound on that animal so uh if you're looking to pick up one of these it's going to be at veteranip.com you got the vip shout out i do this week we're going to shout out wayne heddle uh, and he served in the Air Force for eight years. So, Wayne, we appreciate your service. And um, eight years is a long time, man, to be doing that. And uh, we appreciate that and um, your sacrifice for this country. Man, you are showing up tonight, man. Hey. You are. Sh- you got the ECW calls ripping. Yeah. Um, this 
This is going to be for uh, shout out to local listeners. If you guys want to see some of these ECW calls, you can check them out in Roseville at Jeff's um, shop. He's got every call that he's got is um, out there displayed, and uh, you can actually try them out in their in their studio. So um, head down there to Roseville and check them out. All right, I got the Exodus Trail Cam Tip of the Week. Um, this is going back to something that we were just talking about when we were outside taking a little break in between episodes here. Um, number and match mm-hmm. your cams, not only on the cam, but on a map. And that's what I've been trying to do. I've been trying to put um, a, a trail camera icon and then number five or something. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So you know you have the correct SD card, and then at the end of the season when you're looking for, like, okay, where's 11? You know what I mean? You can scroll <laughs> through there, and you're like, did I did I get that cam or did I not get that cam? And if it's just a cam mark instead of number three, you're like, I got number three sitting right there, so I know I got that one. So I've been trying to do that, and uh, it it helps with finding them, but then it also helps with connecting the dots too. So you're like, okay, I got this buck on num- cam number three, eight, and seven, and this is the dates that I got them. Mm-hmm. And you can look at your map. Okay, here's three, here's eight, here's three, here's seven. How is he working this area? And having those little pinpoint marks like we do tells the story. Like, okay, this deer is here on October 29th, and then he's still here on November 10th, and he's here on the 2nd. You're like, okay, so from the 29th to the 10th, he probably didn't leave this area very much. So I got a real high chance of running into him there. So numbering the cams not only for finding them but also for pinpointing um mapping bucks you know kind of like uh deer was a deer lab is that what it yeah, was yeah. kind of like deer lab does but in your own like simple simplistic way but deer lab goes way more in depth with <laughs> yeah. wind and temp and oh, all, yeah. all that stuff so it's only taken us five years to do this yeah but hey we're doing <laughs> it now so and we're giving you these tips these are stuff that we've learned over time and and once you do them and you see it connecting you're like man i should have been doing this a long time ago yeah and Ingram's Outdoor Obsession, all your taxidermy needs, ducks, deer, turkey, he's got you covered, all our local guys, check him out. Great man, great father, great taxidermist. Let's get into the show. All right, we got Pierce Moore on the line. This this is episodes I love, these, these rut tactic podcasts. The listeners love them too. We're going to talk about how to set up on doe bedding and how to read the sign correctly to make the right moves to set up. So how you doing tonight, Pierce? Oh, I'm pretty good, man. Pretty good. Hey, I uh, seen you on the beast forum there. You've been crushing a lot of bucks. Kentucky early season, multiple bucks from your home state um, year after year. So when I see guys like that that uh, are getting it done, I want to talk to them and see what they're doing. And we're going to talk about a giant you killed setting up on doe bedding. Uh, I'm pretty excited to... Uh, to hear the story and get into it but before that uh let the listeners know a little bit about you all right i'm pierce moore i'm 25 i'm from southern ohio and i got i got i think i'm up to 12 i got 12 bucks over 130 on the wall and i got i killed another buck when i was i was probably 13 i got a little little excited shot about 110 inch deer but other than Been that, there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I was, I was watching a doe out in the field, and it was youth season. I was like, man, that doe gets a little bit closer. I'm gonna bust her, and all of a sudden that that buck popped up. And I saw ten points, and I, I put the gun on him, and I let him have it. And I walked up on him. I was like, oh man, that was a, that was a heck of a two year old. <laughs> but yeah, I think we've all been there. You gotta. You learn from that kind of stuff, or if you're content shooting 110 inch deer, there's no, nothing wrong with that either. But yeah, the the really big one that I killed back in 2013, that's the one that really he really sticks out, and that's kind of what set me on set me on the pace that I am right now, and consistently killing big deer and setting up on big deer and the whole mobile hunting thing is really that really got started for me when I was probably about 16 and I killed that big one when I was 19. So I had been mobile hunting there for a little bit with the climber, but I'll go ahead and jump into that 
story about the big one. And uh, yeah. I had, yeah. what is it? Go ahead and grip, rip the story, and then we'll break down the tactics of how you set up afterward. All right. Sounds good, man. So I hunt this farm with a buddy, and we had actually hunted this farm probably two weeks prior, and it was the last week of October, and it was just the perfect evening. Like I was at work, and I called my buddy. I was like, hey, man, I'm trying to get out of work so we can go hunting this evening. I said it's going to be a perfect evening to go. He's like, oh, he's like, I know, man, and let's let's go. So I call him after I call him when I get done work, and I'm like, hey, man, I, let's go. And I go pick up him. And we head out to this farm. Well, as we're walking in, I'm like, hey, man, Pat. I was like, hey, when we were younger, we would every day that came through, we we would murder him. And it was getting to that point in October where I'm like, hey, we probably shouldn't shoot any does tonight. He's like. All right, all right. So I get set up. About five minutes later, I get a text from my buddy. Man, I just mashed a doe. I'm like, <laughs> that's I'm me. Like, I'm like, all right. So about an hour goes by, and a group of does came past me, and I was like, ah, he's already shot one. So I, I went ahead and I plugged the doe too, and then it was probably thirty minutes before before uh, the sun went down, and my buddy calls me. You can. So you can hear the shaking in his voice and he's like i just saw a giant i was like really i was like i was like i, be- I bet you wish you didn't sh- <laughs> shoot that doe and he he's like yeah he said he he hit that doe's blood trail and he just turned around and went right back the way he came and i was like yeah that's that's how that goes but so anyways fast forward two weeks later i had scheduled off my rut vacation for November 7th through the 11th. And I just so happened the wind was was perfect for my opening morning of my vacation. Called my buddy. I'm like, I'm like, Hey man, let's, let's crash in there on that standing uh, cornfield. First thing in the morning, I said, we got perfect wind to cut, cut that bedding area. And he's like, all right, all right, man. uh, Just call me in the morning. And, if I don't get up, just get, go without me. And I was like, all right. I was like, are you sure? Just come over tonight. He's like, oh, no, it's all right. Just I'll, I'll get up. I'll get up. So I next morning, alarm clock goes off 4 o'clock. I'm like, calling him, nothing. And about the 12th time I called him, I was like, yeah, he's not waking up. So I just I went ahead and went. I sneak around this standing cornfield and, I don't get I don't get in a rush in the mornings. I I like to walk about fifty yards, stop, listen, and I'll I'll listen for a couple seconds and make sure I'm not getting close to something or I'm not going to bump something walking in. As long as I can avoid it, I'm going to try to avoid it at all costs. And I I'm slipping down these cornrows with my climber on my back and uh, finally get in there. And there's this old wooden tree stand that. It sits in this about, I don't know, it's probably 30 yards off the edge of the cornfield, but it it's right on the edge of this just thick, nasty bedding. And all these does, like, the fil- they filter out in this corner. They really filter out in several different places on that field, but they really are concentrated on that corner. So I set up, I climb up in this, uh, wooden ladders this old rickety wooden ladder stand it's the the stand's not even standing today because it's it was an ash tree and as you know the emerald ash board ash boards have killed every ash around so i don't know if that's the same in your area oh yeah every ash tree smoke yeah man it's it's (laughs) ridiculous i was walking our private piece the other day and there was four trees on our side of the fence that we could hang in on one yeah. little stretch, every one of them dead ass ash tree. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, this would have been prime three years ago." <laughs> no, I, it's it's sickening. I mean, because the your ash trees are your really good cl- climbing trees. Like yeah. those are they're perfect for climbers. But anyway, so I climb up this rickety wooden ladder stand, and it's it's only about ten feet. So I get up there. I got my climber on my back. I hook it up to the top of the ladder stand 
and I climb, I climb about another 10 or 12, probably another 10 or 12 feet and get set up. And it was, it was really slow. First thing I hadn't really seen anything. So I, I'll blind call every once in a while just to, I don't know, break the, break a little bit of the silence and see if I can't make something happen. But so I hit the grunt call and I rattled for a second and then I always do a snort wheeze at the end and I just let left it at that real short, nothing crazy. And probably about five or 10 minutes later, this little five pointer comes crashing out of all that bedding. You can tell he's like, he looked like he just got his butt whipped or something. He just, you could tell he was running for a reason. And I had been texting my dad back and forth that morning because he was hunting another farm. And I was like, man, I just had a five pointer run by me. And it looks like he, he was scared to death. He's like, well, get ready. I'd say, I'd say there's a big one in there. Well, it wasn't five, it wasn't five minutes later. And I get another text and it's my buddy. My buddy's like, Hey, I overslept. Grant, it's not, it's like five after nine. I'm like, yeah, no shit. And, uh, I, about that time I look up and I see, I just see kinds coming through that thicket. And I was like, Oh my gosh. And he stops about, I'd say 70, 80 yards from me in that thick stuff. And he's working a scrape and those big times just going back and forth, hitting branches. And I was, I, I had to look away. I, I was like, I, I couldn't believe what I was seeing because at that point that was, and honestly still to this day, that's, that's probably the biggest deer I've seen from, from my stand. And I just, I looked away and I, I was telling myself, I'm like, it's just a doe. It's just a doe. It's just a doe. Just trying to calm my nerves and, he starts coming. He starts coming on a line, in line to where I'm at, and then he started to break off. And he was still quartered. He was quartered to me a little bit, but he got behind the tree, and I, I went ahead and drew. And he's at 25 yards. He stepped out behind that tree, and I I gave him the the good old man, just like every <laughs> just like every other guy does. And he stopped, and I put it right behind his shoulder smoked him he takes off running through the thicket and gets out about 90 yards and his tail starts flickering and i can tell he's he's kind of staggering a little bit but he actually made it about another 50 yards from that spot and i called my dad i'm at this point i'm just i'm destroyed i my the adrenaline dump i had was insane and I call my dad, and I, I can't even make words come out of my mouth. My dad's like, "Did you did you fall out of your stand? Are you okay?" And I, I finally get get it out of my mouth. I'm like, "I I I just shot a monster." And Dad's like, "Are you serious?" He's like, "How big is he?" I was like, "I have no clue." I said, "I I said I think he's a, I don't know a ten pointer with." A split G2, he might be 145 inches. And I was notorious before that for overscoring him by about 10 or 15 inches from the time I shot him to the time we went and found him on the blood trail. I'm like, wow, oh, he looked a little bit bigger than that from the tree stand. Been there. So I, <laughs> so I was a little generous with this one. And so I... I get off the phone with my dad and I call my buddy. I'm like, dude, I just, I just smoked a giant back here. And he's like, he's like, ah, you're just screwing with me. I was like, I was like, no, man, I, I promise you. I said, go to my house. Dad's, dad's going to meet you there and come out here. We gotta, we gotta find this thing. He's, I said, he's a stud. So they get out there and they, they help me. We, we're tracking this buck and about 20 yards away from this pond we we lose the blood trail altogether and I, I was just distraught and so we start spanning out just grid searching and my buddy gets around the other side of this pond and he goes there he is he's in the pond and he 
there you could see one side sticking out of the pond and i i'll never forget it i just took off i booked it around the pond and i got out in the water i grabbed him and when i pulled him up out of the water it was like i was just in amazement i was like oh my gosh i couldn't believe what i was looking at because like i said i i looked at his rack one time i looked away i i knew if i looked at it too long i was just going to get worked up and maybe cause myself to miss a shot or just you know you know how that goes it's no yeah you want to stay as calm as you possibly can to to make sure pretty pretty easy to get worked up in a in a situation like that but at the same time you just you got to talk yourself through that kind of that situation to where you can execute but so anyways i I pull him up out of the pond and he's got split brow tines he's got a split g2 he's got a crab claw out at the end of his tine he's like a mainframe 12 with the split brows a kicker off of one of his beams and that split g2 and i was just i was like oh my gosh i could and my dad's like he's like 145 inches my ass and i was like i was like yeah you might have had a little bit of ground growth i was like i guess the last five that i've killed and said they were five or ten inches bigger has finally added up to this one (laughs) underscoring him by 20 inches i he ended up scoring 165 but he I was just, I was tickled to death, man. At the time, I was, I was just, how I was set up, I was set up hunting the downwind side of this big bedding area and trying to cut that corner of that field. I don't, I don't know if, uh, if you took a good look at that picture or not that I uploaded to the hunting beast or not, but. Yeah, I did. Yeah, you're setting up kind of on the edge of the corner. Trying to cut the edge of the bedding there. Yeah, I'm right about 30 yards off that corner, and that wind is just, it's cutting straight out of that corner. So even if a deer does come down either side, either edge of that cornfield, if it's a buck, I, I should be good until he gets right around my shooting lane. And it's that, it's going to be make or break right there but honestly first thing in the morning when when it's that cold and your thermals are pushing up that hard I, you can get away with it i think you can get away with a lot more than you can on a, on a calmer morning or, or like a, a morning where it's you don't have your thermals really kicking in because it's you go from extremely cold to the like when the sun's kicking and starting to warm things up but yeah so anyways sure those thermals are key man if you can get that thermal rising in the morning and get in there but so i like i, I love that map set up because you had the you had the water then you had the field and you had that natural pinch and uh, the dough bedding right off the edge of that field and you set up perfect same thing i would have you know to where you could shoot the field if you absolutely have to but more than likely, right. like I said, I've never killed a buck out in the field, so you're. No, I, I mean, it's a little different scenario with standing, standing corn versus a cut cornfield. And honestly, if it was a cut cornfield, I'm, I'm gonna, I would have to change up my, I'd have to change up my access completely to hunt that spot. But with it being in standing corn, you can get away with a lot more than you could if it was a cut cornfield if it's a cut cornfield you got you've i've probably got to beat probably 15 or 20 does that are feeding out in that cornfield and they're gonna they're gonna have they're gonna have me busted early early in the morning and it it, it's just it wouldn't be ideal yeah that's one of the challenging things about whether you know you're hunting the edge of a field in the rut whether to go in in the morning or potentially bust off what's on there or wait till the sun's up, make sure there's nothing on it. That's a, that's a lot. That's a topic that goes up a lot. And right. They're either, there's, there's no in between. It's either wait <laughs> or just go. go. You know what I mean? There's no like in between. And 
I've always just went because you always want to get in that stand. There's yeah. something about being in there that first, you know, 25 minutes of daylight. It's just so magical. A lot of stuff can happen in that first 25 minutes. But Right. I'll say my favorite scenarios, uh, a bean field that's adjacent to a cut cornfield, and I'll get I'll get out in the middle of that bean field, and I'll I'll just go extremely slow, and just listen and make sure that I'm not not gonna walk right up on a deer because I feel like if you walk up right up on one and it gets your wind and it then then it's going to start blowing it it's that's the most aggravating thing in the world but and i've made it work i've made that work before too i've i I could give you an example of a morning that i i went in during the rut and i get about 150 yards from my tree and this doe she just starts blowing out of nowhere i'm like I, and I knew she couldn't smell me from where I was at. I was like, there's no way she's smelling me. And I, I gave it 15 minutes. I let things kind of calm down. And then I walked on in. When I walked in, I pulled out my grunt tube. And I just, I basically did a sachet around the bottom of my tree stand, tied on my uh, compound as fast as I could, and shot up the tree stand, pulled my compound up. And right at daybreak, this buck came Run. he came up out of the uh the cedar thicket below me and he was just kind of seeing what was going on because i was just trying to paint paint the picture and try to entice something cut kind of cover up what, how that doe was, had been blown earlier on that morning and it, it worked out i ended up shooting him at about 20 yards Damn, can't but, beat that, man. No. I love gotta, it when stuff just happens like that, you know what I mean? Right. And, and that, you got to you gotta think, you got to do something outside of the box sometimes, too. I mean. That's something we that's keep what, talking about doing, going in on the ground and going outside the box and just sending it. And I wish yeah, if man. we had more time to hunt, we would do some radical stuff like that. It's just like. Right, like the white tail adrenaline guys. Yeah. That you, yeah. That stuff's I love I love watching their stuff. I, mean, I do it's, too. It's you only awesome. get one October fourteenth weekend. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if it falls on the weekend or whatever, yeah. you know whatever that third weekend is of October, you only get one of them. You yeah. know, you want to spend it being a dumbass back there trying to spawn stock <laughs> on public. <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? I mean, there's more yeah. calculated, better stuff. But if it's mm. if it's 30 degrees in wind or if it's 30 mile an hour winds, I mean, hell, you might you might want to try it. I don't I don't know. Yeah, for sure. It's right? just it's, some stuff's got to be going on in order to be in order to to get radical, I guess. Yeah. Right. I, I like to like in a really solid downpour and this past year i i had one day during my vacation that it it was just nasty and it poured all day long i was like well it's the last week of october it's probably a pretty good time to put some boots on the ground during this downpour and try to maybe piece some stuff together so i i i walked all all day scouring for sign and just trying to put some pieces of the puzzle together on a big public land buck that i had seen earlier in the summer and then that that buck ended up getting killed two days later by a guy that i saw i saw that guy earlier that day and it was just that was a it was a tough break really because I I knew I was kind of, I knew I was closing in on him and that guy was hunt he was hunting he was hunting closer to me that day and I was like ah oh, man I don't and then it it was like uh like I said it was two days later and my dad calls me and he goes I just saw a giant up here at the gas station I was like oh really I was like that's <laughs> awesome he's like how I'm like how big is he he's like Man, I'd I'd say he's every bit of 180, 190. I was like, oh, really? It's probably that buck down there on that piece of public, just joking around. And it's like, yeah, the guy was driving a a white Toyota with a bunch of hunting stickers on the back. And I was like, I was like, was it 
an older guy with a gray scruff, scraggly beard. He goes, he's like, yeah. I was like, glasses. I was like, and he's like, yeah. He's like, do you, do you know? Him? I was like, I was like, well, it sounds an awful lot like the guy I ran into on public. And I'm like, uh, uh, sooner or later, a picture will surface and I'll, I'll figure out that it was him. And that part of me was like, man, I, I kind of hope a picture doesn't surface. I hope they don't announce announce at the social media where that buck was killed and it's like two weeks later uh ohio uh trophy bucks or something post post this guy and <laughs> this deer taking on public land in adams county i was ah. like oh i'm like <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> i'm like oh great and i i look at the picture i'm like yeah that's definitely him big flyers off his gts and I was like, ah, oh. so I, I switched up. I had to switch up the whole game plan there because that was the one I was I was chasing early season. Didn't work out, but that just drives you, drives you to push a little bit harder the following year. Yeah, that there's nothing like losing a buck like that to really drive. That hasn't happened to us directly. We lost that one. The neighbor's shot, but... Yeah, we lost that one, and then there's a deer along the road with his head cut off. <laughs> like, every time I go home, I just it's I just envision you. that deer just laying there, and, you know, you just yeah. don't know what deer it is. It's definitely a buck, because it had a giant body. Yeah. No one's but, cutting the head off a doe. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean... I'm going to mount this come doe. On. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> this doe skull. Has a beautiful October coat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Trophy Yeah, I mean, just like I was going home um, Monday or Monday or Tuesday. Yeah, and Mm -hmm. every time I get to that spot, I just look and like I can still see that deer laying there. Mm Should have got there earlier. Yeah, I guess. Could have known what it was. Holy shit! Probably a six pointer. (laughs) (laughs) Read it up, six pointer. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, that that spot that I killed that big one. I I heard you guys saying. uh, podcast today that some of these farms that you guys hunt three years from now they're completely totally different and the deer aren't doing anything remotely the same and they couldn't be more true for that farm that farm kind of took a turn for the worst the hunting pressure sky went up a good bit and there's a major highway right there too and those deer get they get piled up every year so yeah the it- age age structures just it went to shit as long as nothing changes you're good to go but if the hunting pressure comes in it's over yeah and actually the deer are still there but it's just way harder to kill them right they switch up their pat or well their entry and access routes and whatnot but actually right there in that corner two monster trees fell and i'd say they probably fell right on that trail where i shot that buck but which we got a little gung ho the next year too, and hung a set. We hung a double man set right there in that corner, and that probably that probably didn't help anything either. I feel, I feel like you, if you hang hang one, it's usually pretty obvious, and they're going to catch on. But yeah, it depends on how much you hunt it. If you start hunting it a bunch, they're going to catch on. But right, we weren't pounding it, but at the same time, I don't. I get a little cautious, a little yeah, self-conscious with stuff like that. And just kind of sounds like my piece that I hunted growing up, you know. Um, as I started getting more serious and, you know, really into hunting, um, trying to read the sign and everything and um, get trail cam data organized and learn what the deer were doing from that and learning what they are doing from hunting through, you know, visual observation – um, it just seemed like I was always a year behind and then, you know, the next year I'd tweak to that and the deer would change just a bit and I'd be, you know, a little bit off again to where I'd get close, but not, you know, super close or, you know, be in a super money spot. And, um, bro, just imagine if you ran mobile, like you did now oh, on dude. that property. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would feel like my chance would be a lot better, a lot better. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> you know, and it's just the evolution of becoming a hunter, you know, Mm -hmm. or, you know, a diehard or whatever you want to call it. And, um, 
just being out there and reading the sign and, you know, trying to change and feel like you got a good plan and thinking you're in the right spot and having all the confidence in the world in it. And then, you know, you just go through all that year and because you're not mobile or you're not willing to change or you're not able to go out there and scout during season or do what you this need to do. This was a good spot last year, so I'm going to stick to it. Exactly. You know, saying. you fell in love with it. And, you know, just like you were saying there, Pierce, you just, you're, you're not adapting to what it is now. And, right. you know, whether that's lack of skill or lack of being able to read sign or, you know, commitment to one spot or, you know, you're lazy or, you know, whatever it may be. Um, it just all goes off of what you want to get out as your end result. Yeah, I, actually, on that particular farm that I killed the big one on, so that's typically corn. It's it was corn the year I killed him, and then it was beans the following year. So when it's beans the following year, we we usually hit it pretty hard early, and then honestly the if there isn't any food in that area, it makes it kind of tougher to hunt because we don't have a whole lot right there to actually hunt. So if they aren't coming to that food source or scanning the outside edges of that, that bedding area, we're kind of out of the game. So I killed one that year, the following year it was in soybeans, no luck. We'll have bucks on camera on those soybeans until they, until they turn. And then, they're gone. So we didn't kill, we didn't kill anything the following year. And then it was in corn again. Well, when it was in corn again, my buddy ended up killing about 135 inch buck. And he actually killed it out of that set that we hung right there in that corner. But that buck was, he was doing the exact same thing. He was, he was going right down the edge of that bedding area. And I, he was actually going the opposite way. He had actually cut through it, and I was able to grunt and pull him over to where my buddy could get a shot at him. But but then we killed one that killed one that year. The following year, no luck because it was in soybeans. Then the year after that, I I hunted a pretty big eight pointer out there all year, and I had I had him at twenty five yards one evening. It was uh, New Year's Eve someone lights a bonfire up toward up by this house and these deer <laughs> fed out. They had fed way out in this field. And I do, I had beat 20 does that evening. They had all walked the same trail. I was set up in a different area on that farm, but they, they had all walked the same trail. There was a fresh skiff of snow on and I had walked around that cornfield and I'd found that trail that was coming out and I set up about 15 yards off of it. And I was actually using a traditional bow that year. And man, I beat 20 does. And I was like, man, where's that buck at? Like every doe was in the field. And I look behind me and he, here he comes. He's on that same trail that all those does have taken. And all of a sudden out of nowhere, I hear, Oof! and I was like, what the hell? And I look, I look way out across the field and these people had just lit this bonfire and all those does scatter across that field and that buck just freezes right where he's at and he's he's looking around wondering what's going on. He just turns and he goes right back the way he came and I was like, yep, that's, <laughs> that's how my season went. But anyways, so that year it was in corn and Every year, every year since that year, it's been in soybeans. So they they stopped the whole crop rotation thing. Now it's just been in soybeans. And I, honestly, I don't, I don't think I've hunted that farm in the last year or two. So that's just how it goes. Yeah, we got a farmer who's like that. Just does corn on corn on corn on corn corn forever. Oh, man, you can't beat that. Do you hear that corn it's, forever? He's got pigs. He's got pigs to feed. So, yeah. <laughs> he's got to plant that corn to feed the pigs, but yeah. Then I'll tell you, man. Then he don't get it out forever. <laughs> yeah, he's not in a hurry to get it yeah. out. He's not Some in a hurry to get it out and get it in the market and get it dry because he's just putting it in a bin and feeding it to the pigs. Right. So, I'll tell you, man. Some of the, some of the farmers that really slack, you can capitalize on on them, especially the ones that leave their soybean soybeans out in the like the first or second week of November. 
it's just it's money i was hunting a different farm a couple years ago and this guy had soybeans out on the it would be the northeast side of this cedar thicket and he had soybeans out on like the uh, like the southwest side of the cedar thicket and it was dude it was money there was so many deer hemmed up in that cedar thicket and this guy he only lets me hunt this little five acre cedar thicket but i've killed three bucks out of that cedar thicket two during two during the rut and one early season it was actually the year after i killed the big one on that standing cornfield i killed that buck my first sit of uh what was that 2014 Damn. and he's he was one he scored 161 so I went back to I went back to back those two years with two giants, and then I hit a little bit of a, I hit well, not really a slump, but I I shot a I shot several one thirties, which I I don't have a problem shooting. Yeah, it's shooting hard to mature, pass. It's hard a mature to pass a hundred thirty inch one, deer. I would say a one thirty ten. I mean, yeah, it's pretty. He's got a good frame. Yeah. I mean, he's there. <laughs> he's a hard deer, right. especially if you get two buck tags like us. Yeah, right. <laughs> Oh yeah, that shoot man, that that would be nice. Yeah, for sure. In order for me to get two buck tags, I gotta spend like three hundred dollars to hunt Kentucky. Yeah, and <laughs> it looks you had some pretty good success down there. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's that's a heck of a farm. That's a heck of a farm. I I got a buddy I, I, at work that his his family owns a big chunk of land down there last year he's like he's like hey man are you gonna hunt this you gonna hunt this with me this year i was like i was like yeah sure it was like the thursday before season he's like come down here and just drive around with me and take a look and see what you think and i drove around i was like oh my gosh this place is amazing alfalfa everywhere i was like there's really not a spot you can set up and you're not going to see deer and i was able to capitalize on that buck i i'd watched him for about 25 minutes and he had velvet hanging down and i was like man this he's beautiful i i got i have my camera rolling too and i'm like this is just beautiful and he's getting ready to step out of my last shooting lane i'm like what the hell am i doing and i <laughs> i dropped down on the bottom of my platform in my tree stand and pulled back and smoked him but I, I was, I was about to just let him walk on by, just because I was. It was early in the season. I was like, ah, I might, I might come back down here. I was like, ah, it was just too perfect not to, not to take the shot. So. Yeah, you can't was, beat that, man. First day of the season and getting out there, that's pretty sweet buck too. Velvet hanging off of him and everything. Right. I mean, heck, if I. If I would have been able to hunt him the day before, he might have still had velvet on. Or if you hunt him the day after, he's probably he's probably going to have probably all clean. that velvet. Isn't yeah, that no. crazy? White it's clean. So. So. It's, it's all about timing. Yep. All right, For man. Sure. Well, we appreciate you coming on. It's been awesome. Uh, like I said, we like to talk to guys like you. They got stuff going on. You're, you're young, and you're out there smashing them, dude. Hell so yeah. props yeah. to you. I'm trying. Uh, so what? I've I've listened to a bunch of your guys' stuff now. So, what are you guys running as far as like your mobile setup? Um, we last year we had both lone wolf setups, um, full size sticks. We're running four sticks. Um, this year, I bought mini sticks. I'm not sure what stand I'm gonna run. I bought the new Hawk. I'm not a hundred percent satisfied with it. Um, I might go back to the lone wolf just because i know it's solid or there's a couple more companies coming out now with stands i might try them out not 100 percent sure but for us the lone wolf um four sticks and the regular lone wolf stands um i'm running daisy chains uh but for us so we can get in a tree in about eight minutes with two stands hung that's not bad at all during pretty season. quick yeah i mean so we can be at the ground we got we got a guy on the ground handing stuff up, climbing stuff up, so it goes a lot quicker. Right. Um, and then um, Hunter always hangs, so we switch every hunt. We switch back and forth who hangs. 
Um, but yeah, we got a pretty good system down. And, uh, I mean, I know people are super into modding their stuff, but just for anybody listening, if you get just a standard lone wolf <laughs> stuff that you got, it is so much better than going out there and try to do it with a regular stand. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. It's just not even on the same level. So, um, right. this year I kind of started switching stuff up. I'm running a five step aider on the bottom, mini sticks, um, Four sticks with an aider, I can get 20, 20 inch sticks with an aider, I can get eight, 18 foot. So, yeah. with a daisy yeah, change, yeah. it's light. We'll see. We'll see. First year running it. So, have you, you guys tried the whole saddle saddle hunting? Nope, we have not. Heard a ton no. of good stuff about it, man. Yeah, I, I, actually, I just uh, shot out of one the other day, and I'm, I'm really liking it. It's, it's it's pretty comfortable, and I'm I'm gonna be shooting. I'm using my recurve, just strictly using my recurve this year, and for whatever reason, to get over top of that bridge, it makes my it's like helping with my form and stuff. It helps me keep that back shoulder up, but we'll see how it goes. I'm I'm gonna run a saddle and the silent approach, ring of steps and the uh just regular steps for my climbing system which i've been running those steps for like the last three years i think they're pretty light so i don't know if you guys have ever heard about heard of those or not uh -uh. Mm -mm. no oh you have you haven't Mm -mm. it's a it's bullman outdoors and it's the silent approach steps there's you're like uh so 12 steps is like they're in five pounds and i i typically only use eight because i'm i'm six foot two so i can i can stride out there pretty good and i always climb with like alignments belt or whatever so i i don't have any problem stretching my legs out there but heck the the steps are under five pounds and then the ring of steps is just like a ratchet strap and you line those steps around the tree so you can you can pivot around the tree 360 degrees and heck man i'm i'm at seven pounds and they're the packability is just it's amazing because they just pack in like two fanny packs you have one fanny pack with six steps that are like six foot long and then uh, the other one's five foot long so your six footers you use at the bottom of the tree and as you work your way up then you switch over to the five footers but it's it's quick quiet and it's it's as light as you can get really yeah we heard great stuff ton of people shooting saddles and everybody that's in it said they love it we just cannot lose the security of a stand yet um yeah a lot of guys out there just i've been the same way absolutely loving it we're just going to stick to our stands I'm not real big on switching, changing up what works, and this year I did, oh, and no I regret doubt. it. I regret it. So, um, yeah, I'm probably gonna buy another a different stand. I don't know. I'm gonna try running it, and if I don't like it, then I'm gonna buy something else. Yeah, so, it's what it is. You gotta. That's the bad thing about it. It's, I wish it's you could try it, try, try and return, <laughs> try and yeah. return. But. For sure, it's a little, a little too expensive to, to experiment around too much yeah i know no kidding yeah i'm just i'm glad i i found what i found what works for me and that's what i've been rolling with for the last few years hopefully hopefully i can get this whole saddle game down and see how comfortable yeah. see how comfortable that is i might switch <laughs> back over to the stand well you got it my just, number man let me know let me know what you think i like to hear a lot of different people's opinions on it and hunt out of it yeah, season man. and touch base with it, me and say hey this it, is baller or this ain't worth the shit <laughs> right yeah man I, I i'll have i'll send you some stuff on that on that there's a silent approach steps because they're slick the pack and like uh, when you're walking through the woods you don't have to worry about those those uh climbing sticks sticking up over top of your back and get caught on everything yeah, that is so a, a pain lot, in the ass. A lot yeah. of those like tight areas, thickets and stuff, if you're crawling, if you gotta get down and crawl through some shit, you're not 
you're not getting snagged up on everything. So nice. That's pretty pretty good stuff, man. All right, man. Well, we appreciate your time. I don't want to take up all your night, but definitely uh, oh, I good. love these rut tactics, setting up on doe bedding and people getting it done, like I said. So. Yeah. Hey, thanks for having me on. It's good talking to you guys. That right there is another young guy crushing bucks, multiple states, getting it done, and uh, you know, doing those just those tactics that you need to do. And he's just hunting a lot, you know. What I mean, he's yeah. just getting out there, not giving up. And uh, sounds like he's picking the right properties. He's running the cams. If he's not got much on the cams, he's not saying this property was good two years ago, so I'm hunting here. He's saying hey this ain't good i'm moving on you know and that's something that we got caught doing when we were hunting for freeze we were hunting the stands that were good in the past yeah. but with the hunting pressure coming in kind of ruined it and that's something that we learned if those deer are changing over the years you got to change with them so as long it's as it's tough yeah i mean it, it is tough. tough yeah as long as nothing else changes you're good right but if stuff start changing hunting pressure they come in and log or bulldoze or someone puts a house in somewhere it's going to change some stuff and you got to start over but starting over is fun too man it so is. so you guys know what to do get out there do the right thing leave a legacy and whitetail legacy is out until next wednesday at 11 a.m central time when we're coming in your ear holes Miss Mondays with Into the Blue, brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors. Every Monday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. I'm Will Cooper, host of HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast. For even more content, be sure to watch the original films from HuntStand Presents on the Waypoint TV channel every Tuesday at 10 p.m. Eastern. Visit waypointtv.com to learn more. When you go out there and the fish are where you think they are, any one of these casts could be the bite. It's the most exciting fishing that I know right here at Hawks Cave. Oh, that's awesome. Experience the best saltwater fishing the world has to offer. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment.